Welcome to Advocation Change It Up, a new podcast series hosted by Dr. Karen Liller, a professor at the USF College of Public Health and director of the Activist Lab. Hello and welcome to Advocation Change It Up, the podcast series of the University of South Florida College of Public Health Activist Lab. I'm Dr. Karen Liller, a professor at the College of Public Health and director of the Activist Lab, and I'm joined by one of our student advisory board members, Rolando Trejos. So how are you, Rolando? I'm doing great. How are you, Dr. Liller? I'm great, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Good. The Activist Lab at the college prepares our students to be exemplary advocates and leaders in public health. And if you just Google us at USF College of Public Health Activist Lab, you'll see all the educational programs we do. We have boot camps, seminars, we do research on a variety of public health topics and advocacy and work to assure that our students have practice experience at the community, state, and national levels. This podcast involves talking with public health leaders and advocates whose work has led to great improvements in public health. We'll be talking in each podcast with a guest on a particular health issue, and we'll end each podcast by asking how we as the community can advocate for change. Today, we are embarking on our second podcast series. Our first one was on racism, health, and life, and you can find that at our website. But the one today is focused on environmental health and climate change. We're so excited that we have received a civic engagement microgrant from Research America to develop and publish this series. We hope to not only learn from the podcast experts, but also to develop an advocacy plan for the state and even beyond. But before we begin, I have to add, the views expressed reflect those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the University of South Florida. So without further ado, let's talk with our advocation guest, Dr. Amy Stewart. Dr. Stewart is a professor in the USF College of Public Health. Her research focuses on air quality, sustainable urban design, air pollution modeling, and human exposures to environmental pollutants. She's taught courses on air pollution, computing and numerical methods, environmental modeling, sustainability, and an interdisciplinary environmental research seminar. Her scholarship focuses on understanding the multi-scale interactions of air pollutants with the natural and built environments and the effects of these interactions on public health and on community sustainability. She currently leads the concentration in environmental and occupational health at USF, and she's president of our faculty assembly. So, hello, Dr. Stewart. Hello. How are you? Doing wonderfully. Thank you, and thank you for being here. I'd like to start off by asking you, based on your research, what do you see are some of the greatest environmental health issues we are facing today? And are these new issues, are these old ones getting worse or getting better? Well, thank you very much for having me. It's really an honor to be here. This is a wonderful podcast, so so thank you. Um, All right, so with regard to greatest threats and and where we are, well, um, I think our greatest threat, uh, potential for the the greatest problems is really climate change. So it's very um, good that you're focusing this podcast series on that. Um, I think we have known about this problem for a long time, for decades, Mm -hmm. and we haven't really made much progress. Uh, So, you know, we're in a place right now where we are um, projected to have three degrees C warming on average throughout this, by the end of the century. And so we're, and, and more than that though, we're really at a place where we wonder about 
whether we've already exceeded some tipping points with mm-hmm. ice, ice sheets melting and permafrost melting. Right. And so I feel that that's extremely important um, issue. But on the positive side of that, we we've now rejoined <laughs> the Paris Accords. Yes. So or we you know public health so. very excited about that. <laughs> right, Rolando? Yeah, one hundred percent. So. Um, so I have to say, you know, that's definitely one that we need. We all need to be thinking yeah. about and, yeah. and being concerned about. Um, I, I guess closer to home and my own work uh, is air pollution issues. Uh, air pollution is considered by the World Health Organization to be the greatest environmental health risk. And um, mm-hmm. this is an area that I um, study, you know, responsible for about 7 million uh, premature deaths per year wow. globally. So I it's... No idea. What's that mean? Um, yeah. Uh, and most of that's happening in low and middle income countries, right. you know, so it's uh, um, it, to some degree, it's somewhat of a success story here in, mm-hmm. and in developed countries. Um, but uh, it's still responsible for many premature deaths. And much of that's coming from uh, household air pollution. So yeah. household fuel burning, mm-hmm. but then also um, a lot of industrial pollution and uh, right. in cities as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, the second one I wanted to mention. And then uh, also, I would say, overall, unhealthy built environments. Mm-hmm. So Which we have a lot of. Yes. <laughs> in the United States. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is an area that I do, I would say, I'm most interested in as far as and what I think we can do so much with. Good. Uh, and that can affect the other two that I just discussed. Mm-hmm. And, and as... Um, so we, you know, in in the U.S., I mean, we um, have extremely car-centric yes. environment. 100%. The infrastructure is very car-centric. And so we don't, you know, we don't have physical activity as part of our daily activity. So mm-hmm. we're not, you know, walking and biking and getting exercise just as part of what we do right. every day. Right. Uh, and so... Um, one of the top 10 threats for, for uh, global health is basically non-communicable diseases mm-hmm. um, like heart disease and diabetes, mm-hmm. for instance. From, from lack of exercise and, and all that. Right, yeah, and lack, yeah, lack yeah. of exercise is a big uh, part um, of that. And so, and on not, you know, n- not having access to healthy foods. And right. so you talk about what's the infrastructure of our cities and our communities uh, really gets to this uh, issue, uh, you know, gets to these types of diseases. Yeah. And so if we think about, we've kind of grown this culture of everything's centered around the car. Mm-hmm. And so even if you wanted as an individual to get more exercise, it yeah. takes a lot of effort. It's not easy right. uh, to choose that. Yes. Uh, and you, and sometimes you're, you're thinking about, let's say you say, okay, I want a bike uh-huh. on a bike to right. do something. Mm-hmm. We don't have the infrastructure to make no. that easy. The roads easy. Or the lanes or right. all of we that, don't, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, even kids. I mean, nowadays, everybody takes their kids to school in their car. Mm-hmm. Or not everybody, of course, mm-hmm. but, but mm-hmm. many, many people take their kids to school mm-hmm. in the car. And um, not only is that bad for the people taking their kids to school in the car <laughs> and the kids, right? They're not getting the right. exercise they would get. Right. It's also creating a lot of more air pollution right. and a right. lot of pollution that then leads to climate change. So a big part of, you know, mm-hmm. a, a big so factor. like a cycle, sort of, yeah. Right. So I feel that this kind of unhealthy built environments or thinking about our, you know, or sustainable, trying to get towards mm-hmm. sustainable built environments, I think that that's a big issue, environmental health issue that we uh, could deal with. Mm-hmm. And um, that would really have 
positive consequences for both air pollution mm-hmm. and exposures to air pollution and uh, then climate change because much of that climate change is coming from the emissions from these cars. From the cars, yeah. right. So Dr. Stewart, if I could ask you, due to COVID-19 and people not being able to drive as much um, and that hopefully they're walking and biking more, are you seeing any improvements during this time? Yes, to some degree, yes. Um, I, I want to say something before I get to answer to your that question, sure. really, um, which is sort of a, a fourth extremely important pervasive issue that I think runs through all of the things I discussed before, which is environmental inequality. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's one of our Absolutely. biggest issues because when you talk about climate change, when you talk about air pollution, when you talk about unhealthy built environments, you, you can't talk about that with saying about who is being affected and more, and it is you know, people with low incomes and um, minorities, uh, traditional minorities. So, for instance, for air pollution exposures, black people are exposed generally to right. near-road air quality much more, mm-hmm. and they have uh, higher levels of disease and death from it mm-hmm. as well. So, mm-hmm. um, And so bringing us back to COVID, I mean, I think that's been one of the Uh, big messages that we've seen is who is impacted more by COVID. And it's these same groups of people. I was going to say, it's the same group. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, yeah, Yeah. so it's repeating. You know, we're seeing the problem with COVID, then we're seeing the problem now with this environmental health issue, the air pollution, the the standards, the building standards. I mean, all of that, you know, relates back. And they relate, and it is very much related to environmental health because, Mm -hmm. you know, people have um, many factors that are affecting their health and, and the, the poor environments that they are surrounded by affects that as mm-hmm. well. So um, with regard to COVID, yes, we saw there, was, there have been studies showing that when people were driving less, there was less right. air pollution. It was very clear. Right. You know, so we saw amazing. clear skies. Yeah. It was actually sort of one of the things that was a bit <laughs> shocking, just the fact that it could be clear. You know, people had gotten so used to <laughs> the haze. The haze and, and, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I... But and I think there's a lot of positive hope that you know a silver lining of all this could be that we could learn from this experience about right. what do you know that we want to have clear air and and that we want to be emitting less and then we, you know what can we do to make that change and I think there's still a lot of hope that we will do that but I uh, there's some worry that we're just all so sick of this that we're just ready to jump back in the car and drive as much as we can absolutely. and travel everywhere yeah, absolutely. And, and and that's completely understandable yeah um but it it also you know it is uh so yes we have seen improvements but um and uh, you know, there is a whole question of what will happen when mm-hmm. we are able to when to, we come out of yeah. it on the other side. Yeah. And and going back to the inequality thing, it really has shown us starkly shown us the inequalities that have always been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really kind of yeah. made it yeah, much really more visible. Uh, and yeah. um, so, you know, kind of telling us we need to deal with these things. We need to deal with the unhealthy built environment. We need to deal with well, we need to deal air, with that now. Pollution, you know, right? yeah, yeah, we, we probably yeah. needed to deal with it a long yeah. time ago. But now we're doing it, and it, it kind of takes me back to our racism series, right? Mm-hmm. When we talked about structural racism and the systems and the opportunities, it sort of all you know comes together. So, Rolando, questions for Dr. Stewart? Yeah, I would just like to say, Dr. Stewart, you made a very clear point um, on analyzing environmental health in the structure of society and not trying to like separate environmental health from 
uh, racism or trying to separate it from other um, pertaining issues that we are tackling right now in public health. And I think that that is really important because the systematic view of it is going to allow us to better elaborate solutions that are more sustainable. And in terms of that sustainability, I was wondering, what can we do as individuals that are choosing modes of transportation, choosing houses, that are choosing where to put our children to go to school? Um, the closest parks sometimes is 25 minutes um, away from us. So what can we do uh, to try to generate some sort of better quality of environmental health around us and our families? Well, I think there's a lot of things we can do. Um, but before I say about what individuals can do, which I, I do want to stress that there are a lot of things that we it's hard to choose to do because the of this sort of system systemic infrastructure. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, so if you think about, okay, Thinking about the big things that affect climate and air pollution and um, environmental health, we can think about okay, well, how do we get to how do we get to our work? How do we what do we choose to do in our daily activities? And so, you know, to what degree do we choose to drive? And can you know how many trips do we make? Are there any you know can we make some of those trips make fewer trips? Do things in you know or can we substitute some of those car trips with biking trips, you know, mm -hmm. keeping our bike. Uh, uh, we bike much, much less today than we did, you know, when I was growing up, right? You know, so uh, can there, you know, can we bike more? As, and, um, you know, uh, some to some degree, it's a, you know, you say, okay, I want to bike, but I don't feel safe on the roads. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of a, you know, a chicken and an egg thing here. Right, because, right. But on the other hand, the more you sort of, try to do it, the more you maybe become aware of what the issues are and think about potential advocacy for changing things so that right. the infrastructure changes to, to something better. But in walking and where your kid, you know, what are your kids doing? What kind of activities are your kids involved in as well? So making kind of choices about your, you know, how you get places, about your transportation, um, about your, when you're buying a car, when you think about buying a car, mm -hmm. you know, do you think about possibly a hybrid car? Do you think about an electric car? You know, it's not always easy to get that information. And the car dealers aren't right. necessarily w telling you that information. You know, I just recently bought a car and I have to say, it's not always easy to get the information that you want. Um, and, and, and also it's the affordability, right? Yeah, too. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, which is a right. whole nother, which kind of takes us all the way back, you <laughs> know, to, to, as we always get back to the, you know, disadvantaged populations yeah. or socioeconomic issues, right? Because you get back to that. Um, but I agree the cars are, but I, you, you are seeing more of those. Yeah. And also yeah. the, yeah, I do. We just bought a Prius. Oh, right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, so, so the, but I think some of it has to, with regard to affordability, some of the issue has to do with short-term versus long-term costs. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way the system is set up, right. you might actually be more affordable in the long-term, but yeah. it's not affordable at, in the short-term. And, and how term. do you, you know, yeah. but some people might be able to think about those things a little more and make, you know, right. considered choices. So sort of just having those things in mind. Um, air travel, you know, unfortunately is a very big contributor to climate emissions. Mm -hmm. I'm imagine, um, yeah. So, um, I love to travel, so that's always tough for me, uh, you know. Uh, so, but, you know, thinking about our travel and what types of travel are needed for, for all kinds of things and, and are there ways that we can reduce our travel when we don't need to do it? Um, or are there ways we can offset mm. it? You know, carbon offsets, planting trees, things like that. Those, those are things individuals can do. Um, 
Um, so uh, our housing energy consumption. Okay, so choosing our, where we live is a big one, right? So, you know, again, it comes to affordability. Like, right. but, but you can right. ask yourself, what do you need? Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, we have a, a culture here in the United States of really big houses, if mm-hmm. we can get them, right? Mm-hmm. And so what, in order to have a really big house, you gotta be out far away from things because where land right. is cheaper. Right. And, you know, so, you know, sort of questions about, well, what do you really need? Do you really need a big house? Well, maybe right now people want bigger houses because they're all at home working. (laughs) (laughs) But hopefully that's not the case uh, forever. Right. So, you know, questions about are you close to uh, things that you, you know, that you can get to so you don't have to travel as much. Yeah. And quite frankly, not only does that reduce your emissions, but it also... um, May, it probably means you're going to be doing more physical activity as part of your daily activities mm-hmm. and you're going to be healthier. Your kids are going to be healthier. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so, so things like that. And then your, your home um, energy efficiency of your home. So energy, mm-hmm. there's always choices for energy efficiency appliances, choices for better light bulbs, um, choices, weatherizing your home, um, thinking about things like solar panels. Again, Right. Upfront cost, but long term. Long term, you know. great, but um, yeah, the, the uh, yeah. So those are those are some of the things that I think that we can do uh, individually. But I think we have much more power if we right. figure out how to do things together to mm-hmm. change the infrastructure to be something where we can choose to go walk somewhere or bike somewhere, um, and feel that it's safe for us. One hundred percent. Thank you so much. So. Um, Dr. Stewart, we're all about change in the in the activist lab, and we're thinking about, for this particular series, doing an advocacy plan, if you will, for the state, um, maybe be used by the country, we would love it to be, but definitely just, and they're really just recommendations, you know, and you've already given us several, but if you could wave a magic wand and have it your way, what would we include in a public health environmental advocacy plan? And if you could talk to us a little bit about not only individual change and family changes, but the system itself, right? And how it's set up it might be a policy and, and what we can do as a community to get behind those changes. <laughs> this is a difficult question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I guess, my perspective on this has a little bit to do with uh, really engaging first with what the community's interests and concerns are mm-hmm. uh, related mm-hmm. to these issues. So if we think about, well, to what degree is the community concerned with uh, aspects that have to do with climate change or air right. pollution or an unhealthy built environment, and maybe if you said it in those terms, they may not be. But if, if you talk about what some of the effects are, uh, it may interface. It, it may interface with right. concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I would uh, maybe start with that. Um, you know, really kind of trying to discover a little bit about what each uh, community uh, is mm-hmm. really concerned about. You know, are they concerned about their child safety getting to school? Yes, uh, right. Big, um, are they concerned about the fact that mm-hmm. the many? Ch- you know. Asthma is a big problem right now, oh and it goodness. has, you know, it definitely is related to air pollution levels. Right. Um, so, uh, I would, I would 
you know, so that's why I'm fe- feeling like I can't really tell you <laughs> what do we <laughs> right. should we do. Because but you're you know, so right. The community um, has to support this, right? I yeah. mean, because and going in with changes and we're going to do this and we're going to change this and everything, that could be really backfire, as we know, right, in public health. So, so I guess I think one one thing is about sort of education, mm-hmm. uh, but I would say education and engagement in a two way way uh, a two way perspective. You know, right. sort of. Um, and engaging researchers and the community in sort of a two-way learning where we sort mm-hmm. of learn, okay, well, what are really the issues the community has and that they're concerned about that that we may know have to do with this issue uh, of, of that, that have to do with environmental health. They may not think of it that way, but right. then, you know, and the same, you know, um, and then we can maybe help them understand uh, what they can do when yeah. we, when, once we actually fully understand yeah. or better understand, I feel like, um, a lot of well-meaning interventions mm-hmm. that have to do with education are kind of focused on sort of telling the community, oh, if you just sort of think, oh, well, the community needs yeah. to know more about air pollution. If they know more about air pollution, they will... They will change behavior yeah. immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, 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 <laughs> it doesn't work so, that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I feel like that's, you know, kind of engaging and figuring out how to engage in that yeah. two-way dialogue or two-way learning yeah. uh, is important. And then I think, you know, at the I, I would start at the local level, really. Right. You know, so right. as people make, uh, you know, if we think about my own, you know, our own communities, to what degree do we feel like we can choose uh, options that are um, going to have a positive impact on climate, right? To what degree can we choose to use renewable energy, right? To what degree can we choose to not to you know, to not use cars for all of our travel. To what degree can we choose that if we can sort of think about mm-hmm. that in our own local communities mm-hmm. and potentially um, advocate for uh, policies that encourage bike lanes or right. small the things. System, the structural then, changes you know, that need to accompany, right, whatever right. whatever we're talking about here, right, because they have to support, you know, right. the change. Yeah. And then get, I mean, I've, and then get people so that, you know, getting that groundswell of people who actually want to make a larger change. Mm-hmm. I think we don't have that currently here. So that is, you know, that makes it tough. So right. so kind of getting um, um, people to sort of think about these issues mm-hmm. and to understand what do they need and, and, and how do we, uh, how can we offer something that actually right. gets at what they need, right? Right. Um, so I don't know. I don't really feel like I answered your question. No, no, you didn't. But, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> but no. I, I, do, I struggle it's, a little bit with that, um, right? Because uh, it's hard. Because you need. You're, you're, you're right. I mean, when I was thinking about writing it, I mean, you're right. First of all, you need the data. You need to understand, mm-hmm. you know, what the situation is like from whatever area. And then, of course, you know, I think what was great what you said though is, you know, almost putting together a coalition or a consortium, you know, of academicians and and not that it hasn't been done a million times before. But on this particular issue, and I think if people would see that their efforts would lead to some change, you know, they have, yeah. you know. And I think, you know, yeah. there is plenty of evidence for that. So, right. like, you know, for instance, on the air pollution side, sort of that exposure to air pollution, there's a lot of new technology out there now mm-hmm. for people to have their, to measure their own air pollution. Right. Now, there are issues with that technology as far as how accurate it is right. and, 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 reliable over time but nonetheless it is something that 
individuals can buy and sort of have some feel for, okay, when I go and bring my kids and we're sitting in in uh, a particular place and we're next to the road and, oh, the air pollution levels spike, oh, th- you know, you kind of an awareness of understanding right. of what are the things that I do in my everyday mm-hmm. activity that are either leading to lower air pollution levels or higher air pollution levels or what areas of my community uh, where people are spending time have high air pollution have higher levels. levels. So yeah, those might be places yeah. that we want to try mm-hmm. to make a change. And you can those get those things, and right, Dr. Yeah, yeah, I have, shared with yeah, me. Yeah, I have, I have. This is really yeah, interesting, yeah. which he has, yeah. Yeah, no, no, but there are many different um, sensors, basically, and really just those small little things you can carry around mm-hmm. um, with you, and they give you, and they interface with your cell phone, and, mm-hmm. and they give you feedback on what the air pollution level is, and um, they're... They can just really, quite frankly, I really like them from the standpoint of sort of comparative right. study. Sort of like, oh, it's high here, it's low there, right. it's high when I do this, it's do low these, when right? I do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you can buy them, and you know, around you can get uh, one f- to carry with you for less than two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So it's you know not cheap, but it is something that you think about that is affordable for at least communities to sort of think about, or um, and many individuals. Right. So. Right. Um, it is the kind of thing where, you know, the more, I, I think that getting information, right? right. Having, um, getting information sort of, and I say, I guess, advocating for local information. Yes, and, right? and you local know, so input. Ways to get, you know, well, what is the, you know, what is the um, levels of lead in, in our water? Mm-hmm. What are the levels of, you know, what types of levels of air pollution are mm-hmm. we being exposed mm-hmm. to? Sort of ways that we, that the community can actually get information about their own potential yeah. uh, environmental health No, it's uh, so true. Issues. I feel like that's the first thing maybe to do is just sort of um, information gathering. Information. And then, and then also, okay, are, is this something that, what is it the community needs and mm-hmm. it's related to this? And then working with your policymakers yeah. and the folks that can't make, whether it's more bike lanes or whether, you know, it's whether yeah. what right. you can do in terms of the infrastructure and what you can do in terms of housing. And I mean, I think it's a, a long process, but I love that community participatory approach, as we, you know, like to call it. So yeah, thank and that's you. what I'm really very interested in, yeah. you know, on the sort of uh, on the research side is really doing that part. We're sort of getting right. the community to be involved in this research and this you know, information gathering. Right. So, Rolando, let me turn this back over to you for a minute. So you're a little bit younger, uh, at least from me. And so um, what are the feelings of students on this topic? Because you have the pulse of the students here. You know, younger individuals these days have been the drivers of much public health advocacy and change, including things such as racism and, of course, gun violence. So what is your take on the students' perception of this around environmental health and change? And do you know if USF is doing anything about it with students or what the students could do in the activist lab? Well, thank you so much for the question. And I think that just going from what Dr. Stewart was saying, um, I can definitely say that sometimes communities, whether it is the USF community of students, or whether it is the community of Tampa, whether it is the state of Florida, might not know what they need, but they do know how to recognize the changes toward good health and toward um, things that are healthier for them. So, for example, one of the things that I can notice a lot is the fact that um, students enjoy 
very much how many how much um, green areas the USF campus can offer, right? But if these green areas were not built, students would not complain about them. Right, right. I don't think that they would go and advocate for more green areas. However, when the green areas exist, they do use them. Right. So I think that a lot of this has to do with people not being aware, as Dr. Stewart was saying, of the implications of not having these green areas, of not having access to different or and diverse modes of transportation. Mm-hmm. And that has a lot to do with um, also going and asking um, not only what can my community and my university do for me, but what can I do for my community, my university, and what right. can I advocate as a student? So I think that it goes both ways, just as Dr. Stewart was saying. And um, I think that there is a lot of room for improvement, whether it is here at USF or at, I'm sure that at most um, college campuses, there's a lot that can be done. However, I do feel like these there are new generations are becoming more and more aware of mm-hmm. the kind of climate um, change issues and the kind of uh, planet that is being left by previous generations and are starting to advocate for change. Yes. I would definitely like to say that these new generations bring hope and a bre- like an intake of breath, like fresh air for a lot of people that have been advocating for these issues for years. And I think that the more that we are able to create, um, as Dr. Sewell was saying, more access to evidence-based information that is clear and straightforward and that is able to connect with individuals at any age group or at any level, I think that that is going to create change on itself because people is going to become more aware mm-hmm. of what is actually impacting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this generation has been uh, so forward-thinking. You know, your generation, even younger, right, yeah. as we saw March for Our Lives, were yes. high school students, you know, trying to make a change with gun violence. So I'm, I'm very excited about that and also the fact that we're back with the Paris uh, Agreement and people are thinking about climate more now than maybe before. So I think uh, with the students, and I know that USF does have some groups that yes. take a look at environmental issues. And I know because they've contacted us in the in the activist lab and said, hey, you know, you want to do a project and things. So, so we're very excited. It's such a, a critical issue. And like you said, you know, forging the way for future generations, you know, because someday we'll all be gone. And so what have we left? And I think people are starting to think about that more, right? You know, Dr. Story, because I, I hear people saying, I'm, I don't want to leave the planet, if you will, or our environment worse for my children. Yeah, I mean, it's a very children. important part of the concept of sustainability. So, right. what, uh, you know, what are we leaving? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. What, what's going to be our, you know, our legacy, you know, with all of this? And... And right now we're not, uh, I mean, I think, you know, you asked me uh, earlier mm-hmm. about what are some positives, you know, yes. what are some of the good things? And right. I guess I, d- I didn't have a chance to sort of say, I, I mean, I think there is reason for hope in the sense of we, we have made some very oh, important definitely. progress oh, over yes. the years. I mean, the we, Clean Air Act. Right, the Clean, air, ago, the clean right? Water Act. I mean, you know, we in had general. the Cuyahoga River was on fire, right? right you know, right. Uh, fairly routinely. And, and we had, uh, you know, the London smog event or the Denora, Pennsylvania event where people mm-hmm. died in, you know, within the few days of air pollution episodes because they were so bad that we couldn't even, right. you know, in some cases see, you know, in, in front of us because of air pollution. So I think um, in the United States, I mean, you can definitely see that we have made progress. We have the capability of making right. lots of progress. Right. Um, we have cleaned up our air mm-hmm. in, in many ways. We have mm-hmm. cleaned up our water in many ways. So we can do it. Uh, it, but it was a groundswell of 
of a community a, a lot of, of community times. of right. work you know right. for, with earth day mm-hmm. and right the establishment True. of the protection agency yes. and all the agencies yeah. and the groups and 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 hopefully we do hope on on our, some of our future podcasts we're going to hear from policymakers at the state and and federal level as well to talk about you know what can be done there too but, but certainly with the laws and and things that have done we have made progress but there is so much we can do. Right. So I feel like, and, and I, you know, we made uh, progress with with the um, stratospheric ozone depletion. Oh, right? yes. You know, so we were able to put in place policies and regulations mm-hmm. that really have mm-hmm. made a positive impact on that. So that, mm-hmm. so it is possible. Yes. Uh, right. Um, I think it, it can get a little bit daunting when we think about climate change because we have been trying for a while and it, it and it it you know it's a difficult problem because oh, yeah. it's so f- fundamentally a part of our economy is burning of fossil fuels currently and con- and sort of consumption, consumption. as as mm-hmm. a driver of our economy mm-hmm. i mean consumption is a driver is the driver currently sure so and so you know s- making real changes mm-hmm. to Affect you know to to reduce climate change are in in some ways you know very tough because they really are getting at some of those things that we sort of define ourselves by right um, our whole society and and so, and so you know nonetheless um, I think that there is a lot of reason for hope if we're realizing we can change and I think we've seen that that there are ways that we can use new technologies to allow us to have better well-being while, you know, while making mm-hmm. changes. So, yes. you know, um, things like solar panels and, you know, there we see that there are benefits now that, you know, to consumers be, when they, you know, when they can produce their own energy, right? You know, there are infrastructure issues with getting that to actually exactly. engage to get with that the, done. the network. And, right. and <laughs> so, you know, um, but nonetheless, I mean, I think we, we, there's a lot of reason for hope. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but That's it, fantastic. but I guess I feel like there is there's it's important that we try to really do something now and there there is yes I don't feel like we can wait. <laughs> and I right. guess that's what worries and me. That's, yes, because we're already seeing <laughs> right. across yeah, right. the world, right, right. differences in our planet, yeah. the results of climate change. And just one more thing I just wanted to ask you is um, people's opinion of climate change. This is where, you know, I always see that, you know, some people don't believe it. They think it's, oh, we're getting warmer, then we're going to get colder, it's all going to even out, you know, or, or some kind of philosophy like that. Do you think people's opinion of climate change has shifted or do you think there's still that definite group of folks that actually don't buy into it? Yes, I mean, I think that it has shifted. I, I don't know that it has shifted in a positive way, honestly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the, it has become much more a political issue. Yes, it's um, been greatly politicized. So, so that makes it more difficult to right. make uh, to make consensus building mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. the issue. Um, you know, we we kind of talk about the, the different questions. You know, first of all, is climate changing? Right? Does, right. Does do people believe that climate is changing? Yes. And I think that um, I think we have moved toward a place where I think most people believe climate is changing. Right. Um, but then the question becomes, uh, you know, to what degree are humans responsible? Oh, that's right. Right, or, yeah, or is it just a way, natural phenomenon right, right. that's happening? And I, yeah. I think we're still there. Yeah. As far as people, yeah. um, many many people don't 
believe that we have a role in it. Um, uh, and you know, uh, and then the final one is sort of, well, what should we do about it? Should we do anything about yes. it? Right? Yes. You know, is it right. in our interest? And that's very much a value judgment. Um, sure. And so I, I, I mean, I guess I feel like yes, I think things are changing. I worry that things have become sort of more calcified in terms of mm-hmm. sort of the right and the left believing particular right things and so that makes it a little bit more difficult but right um, which is makes education all that more important and getting the word out and trying to get coalitions together and that so that it you know doing some of these things becomes the norm you know as we've talked before on these you know podcasts people have fought change all the time i mean it's it's part of you know folks that study change and behavior know that it's it's never easy you and know. plus you also have to ask whose interest is it in. I mean, and, 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 I, mean and I think right. you know, people that's have right. short-term interests that, you know, make it so that they don't want to have, mm-hmm. they don't want to believe, right? And we're all mm-hmm. very good as humans at rationalizing <laughs> <laughs> everything, right? You know, so, so picking right. the evidence yeah. that supports us. Right, So, right. Um, you know, I think that that... Yeah. You know, it's always, it's always say like with car safety seats, you know, which I've worked in for years, you know, now... You know, back in the day when car safety seats were introduced, um, you know, people were like, well, what's this and the change? But, you know, once groups got behind that and, of course, you know, it, safe cars were promoted by the automobile industry, which was benefited them because it had more sales because safety now sells. But now, nonetheless, you get to a point where a car safety seat, my children or their children's children, et cetera, that will, that's a norm now. You know, every time... You know, you think about your child and you're traveling, people know about car safety seats. The, the affordability is a whole other issue, but it's a norm. So that, that's what I think, you know, we need to do. We need to move that needle towards, you know, of course, a safe and healthier norm. Right. Yeah. And and to the point where it's not unusual. So, I mean, even you talk about that with regard to COVID masks, right? You know, when we first started wearing them, it was weird, right? You know, they only, you only saw people wearing them that were coming from another place and you thought, oh, they must be sick and that's why they're wearing them. Right. But, you know, nobody wants to wear them because they, but, you know, now we've all been doing it. Well, now Many, many of us have been doing it for many, for for a very long time. And you almost forget. And you know, don't even realize you're wearing it. You're wearing it. You don't even realize that exactly. you're wearing it. And, <laughs> and it's so weird you know, when you don't, right? right? Because I've already gotten out of the car at a place because I'm driving, you know, and if I, if, I, if I didn't wear it in the car, I'm just me. So if I get out of the car and a lot of times I'll just start getting out and I won't have it on, I mean, it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, like. You know, I forgot half of me, you know, in the car, you know, so I have to go, I have to go back and get it. But it is, it is becoming more than normal, which is good, of course, with COVID. So, but I think that's some of that is also behave, you know, behaviors like what type of activities do you do? What do you choose? How are you going to get somewhere? Well, right now it's a habit, right? You know, you're going to always go and grab your cars, your car keys, and you're going to go, right? You're not going to think about uh, walking somewhere or, or, uh, you know, so habit, we form habits, and, yes. and then it's yes. hard oh to get goodness. out of those habits. It's hard to get, oh my goodness, behavior change. I wish there was a magic, you know, <laughs> right, Rolanda? Just like a, a magic thing you could do. Like there's it, that magic wand again. You if, know? It was, if it was a magic thing, uh, I uh, I think that it would be a whole part of the academia would be ripped off. That is the behavior change specialist. Um, so oh, yes, if, if that was that easy, what are we yeah, going to do? Yeah, yeah. So if it was that easy, we would not have the, so the world of behavior. Yeah. But it shows you how many years people have been studying this, right? And still, 
you know, COVID-19 just, it, it really sort of shocked me because, you know, we think we know the stages of change and eventually everybody's going to want to wear a mask, but we, we saw this pushback. And of course that had such a political part to it, which really helped, you know, um, cause the divide even further. If that political divide wasn't there, maybe, you know, it, it would have been different, but, but it, it showed me as a, as, as a someone in public health or as a public health scientist that, you know what, we don't have all the answers. Every situation's different. Did we ever envision this happening with mask wearing? No, no. you know. But I think it tell, it's kind of a good example for the aspect of sort of making changes with regard to climate is, right. you know, one of the difficulties is that it has been politicized. Yes, And Completely. so, okay, how do we deal with that? I mean, that's, that's another variable. That that's it. It's a huge <laughs> variable. So, well, our great technology folks here, Audie, he gave, always gives me a question for the guests, which I love. So this one is, what can each household do to help the environment besides use their vehicles less or save energy? Are there the little things we can do to make a difference? Oh, I mean, I think there are lots of little things that we can do from, you know, as I mentioned, sort of weatherizing our houses, choosing appliances, but also turning off the lights. Yeah, right? that's a big you one. You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean. And my house the, always looks like we're operating. I don't know why, like 24 yeah. <laughs> seven. It or, looks like we're doing surgery because there's so many lights on. And even, and, and not just lights, but um, all of your, you know, we all have all of these electronic oh, equipment yes, now, and running. they're on mm-hmm. all the time now, mm-hmm. right? Well, that takes energy, right? So is that necessary? No, not, no, it isn't. So, you know, sort of thinking about, can we set it up so that we're not on all the time? Right, right. Um, those are things we can do. We can, we can try to reduce our, I mean, reduce our consumption, right? Thinking about the, you know, to what degree do we really need that thing? Or, and, and also, yes. are we buying something that has a lot of packaging? So that's creating mm-hmm. a lot of waste. Mm-hmm. Also, um, water waste is a big Huge consumption of energy. So, you know, to what degree do you need to do you need a lawn that has to be watered constantly? You know, and so there's a, that's a lot of water usage. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, thinking some of them are short term things like okay, well, how long do you take your showers? I love taking hot showers. That takes energy. But the but you know, to what degree uh, do we just do you just let the the water run for something that's not a good idea right so yeah. water there's a lot of ways that we waste water mm-hmm. that we maybe uh, if we were just sort of thinking about reduction if we had to if you think about the cost of that um, we might reduce our use yeah, of just water. every day so things. reducing reducing use of um, use of water um, when we don't need it. It's not saying don't use it if you need it it's just right, saying sure. you know <laughs> don't um, let it run forever right, yeah, so. um, <laughs> So, uh, and uh, con- packaging, our con- sort mm-hmm. of c- constant consumption, mm-hmm. right? Do we need things as much as we mm-hmm. think we do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the tough thing about that is that it, we are told over and over again to consume. Yes. Right? Because that's the, kind of our... Uh, with the market-driven right, society, right. You know, it's all about consumption, and yeah. it's all about, you know... Right consume, consume more. And we're also uh, inundated with that. I think, you know, folks being home during COVID-19 may have noticed that even more, right? Because they were home, they were watching TV all the time, they weren't in an office working, Uh, they had their computers up all the time. And, you know, and, you know, merchandisers, they knew what to do. You know, they said, look at this, you're home, wouldn't you enjoy this, wouldn't you enjoy that, do Mm -hmm. this, buy this. And so, yeah, we are bombarded with it. And also, I mean, things like food. Food is another really high mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. 
Um, so think, thinking about um, what we eat um, yeah. and, you know, many people love meat and mm-hmm. I am a meat eater. Mm-hmm. But I do think about well, how much meat do I eat? What types of meat do I eat? Right. And um, because meat is takes a lot more energy to produce than does That's plants. True. So, mm-hmm. so kind of, I would say being conscious of your choices, mm-hmm. whether it's your choices to turn off the lights or your choice of the light bulb or your choice of what you're, you're going to yeah. buy the thing with the big, big, big package or you're going to buy the thing with the smaller package. Yeah. You know, having that be part of your decision-making process mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. are little things that we can do. Good. Well, thank you. Anything else I wonder for Dr. Stewart today? We could talk all day. <laughs> this is like really interesting because I'm so excited that the environment is getting like more attention now, you know, and I think, you know, with climate and going back to the Paris Agreement, I mean, I, I'm just excited about it. So do you have anything else for Dr. Stewart? I would just like to say that I am sure that there's a lot of people that are going to be here in this podcast and it's going to reflect back back on what they do, but also back on their responsibility on creating community, on creating a yes. community that is sustainable, on creating a community that thinks of the future, not only of their future, but the future mm. of their children, mm-hmm. the future of the offspring of their children, right? and how to generate um, from that house, from that little individual, little changes that can help support the big changes that we need. And I think, you know, this little bit interfaces with sort of just I'm concepts of equity, right? You know, whether we're yes. talking about equity for the future generation or we're talking about equity for the other people around us, mm-hmm. kind of opening our thoughts to think about those yes. people's people and, and how things affect them rather than yeah. only ourselves or our own families um, uh, it is, is important. And as we come up with solutions too, yeah. right? To make sure those are equitable solutions, right? It can't be and thinking you know, about equity in in while you're thinking about those solutions, while right. you're actually exactly. designing those solutions to actually be thinking yes. about equity at that point, not just later, uh-huh. sort of de- saying, "Oh, well, they, you know, the poor people were are worse off," right? Right. I mean, I think we know that is the case. Anytime there is any cu- type mm-hmm. of environmental issue. The people who have less and are more vulnerable are yes. going to have higher effects. Higher so effects. we know that's to mm-hmm. be the case. So, the, so it's important that we design knowing that that is going to happen it, it, to some degree. And can mm-hmm. we make it less? Right. Can we make that has happen less? Has to be less? part of it. Right. Has you to know. be in the solution, not afterwards. I think is what right. you're saying. It's saying, yeah. oh, that's a problem. Right. We <laughs> did something good, but over here, you know, for this particular group or whatever, it's like they can't take advantage of it. You know. So yeah. It's going to be really, really important. Well, this was great. Thank you so much. On behalf of the USF College of Public Health Activist Lab, our wonderful guest, Dr. Amy Stewart, and our student co-host, Rolando, we thank you for joining us. And hey, keep listening. We have new segments coming soon for our environmental health series. As always, we would love to hear your feedback. We want to know how we're doing. So email us at cophactivistlab at USF. So until next time, hey, this is Dr. Karen Liller. Remember, find your voice. Let's change it up for the better. Keep listening and join Advocation Change It Up. Tell your friends and family. We're on all media, Apple, Spotify, and more. So thank you again. And hey, when it's safe to be out and about, come see us in the Activist Lab.